The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. Since the dawn of his speakership, Kevin McCarthy's position in the House of Representatives has been tenuous at best. It took him 15 votes to win the position, and it's been a tough road ever since. A military cannot defend themselves if you train them in woke. But this past weekend, he faced his toughest challenge yet, avoiding a government shutdown. Nobody wins in a government shutdown. Nobody wins in a government shutdown. I've been here. And he pulled it off. All he had to do was work with the Democrats. Now, it might cost him his job. Anyway, that's coming up on Today Explained. Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Jordan Weissman is the Washington editor at Semaphore, which means he didn't get out much this weekend. We asked him why the government was on the precipice of yet another shutdown. He said it came down to the hardliners, the folks who call themselves the Freedom Caucus. There are a few different things that the Freedom Caucus wanted, and I should be specific. Yes, it's the Freedom Caucus, but because Republican politics are infinitely complicated, it's like a fractal. You keep looking and they're just repeated patterns forever. (laughs) Some of the hardliners in the Freedom Caucus, some are not like Gates, but he's sort of temperamentally aligned with them. He's freedom curious. He's freedom curious. Some like Marjorie Taylor Greene have been booted from the Freedom Caucus because she was too close to leadership at points. She was too close to McCarthy, but then she became a pain for him later on. I mean, this dynamic is especially fascinating because Marjorie Taylor Greene is one of the most pro-Trump, pro-MAGA members of the House, and the Freedom Caucus has long been considered one of Trump's top allies in the House. Anyway, let's just talk about what they actually were looking for. They wanted a lot. It's hard to summarize everything because their demands were a little bit sprawling, but I think you can really focus on three things. One, they wanted bigger spending cuts. And this sort of goes back to the debt ceiling deal, essentially, they had earlier this year. They didn't get the spending cuts they wanted during that in the final agreement. And so this was their second bite at the apple. So they wanted to cut deeper. We will prevent President Biden's executive overreach to spend money outside the normal process. 
which President Biden has abused to the number two. A lot of uh, hardliners, especially the Freedom Caucus, wanted to deal with border security. As they put it, they wanted more spending on the border. They wanted changes on border policy because, as they see it, the uh, flow of migrants coming across the uh, U.S.-Mexico border has just spiraled completely out of control. The real issue is not the shutdown. The real issue is the two crises we have in this country, economic security crisis and uh, economic crisis. And number three, another huge issue here is Ukraine. There is a large contingent of the Republican Party, though not all of it, that is essentially done with the war in Ukraine. There is a growing rift within the Republican Party over how and if to assist Ukraine as its war against Russia enters its second year. They will often connect it directly back to the border. They will say we should be spending that money at home, securing our own you know, borders, not defending somebody else's. And that sort of became a sticking point with the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene, for instance. And so I think those three issues, spending levels, the border and Ukraine, sort of dominated the discussion. But there was all sorts of other stuff swirling around that that made it kind of hard to summarize what the the conservative ask was here. Were Democrats willing to negotiate on any of the the key cornerstones of the Freedom Caucus asks? Spending cuts, more spending at the border, and no more spending in Ukraine. Dramatic spending cuts at no. <laughs> I mean that's that's sort of a non-starter. I think that there there were sort of whispers about whether or not you could see uh, a deal with some border funding for Ukraine, some kind of Ukraine aid, some kind of trade there. But no, in general, Democrats have not been in a mood to negotiate. That, I think, is the gist here, is that in the House, Democrats were just not even engaging because they saw the Republican Party kind of disintegrating. It is one of the basic items that Congress has to deal with, and it should be done without conditions. So there is going to be uh, there's going to be uh, no negotiation over it. This is something that must get done. And in the Senate, there was this interesting dynamic where Democrats and Republicans were actually just kind of working together in a bipartisan fashion to pass their own budget bills that kind of stuck to the deal that Biden and McCarthy had struck during the debt ceiling showdown. They said, we have a deal. We're going to write bills that fund the government at those levels. And we are going to include Ukraine funding because this is the Senate where most people want Ukraine funding. So there was this kind of two totally different dynamics uh, where you had the House in kind of chaos, mostly because the Republican Party was at war with itself over how to pass a completely partisan bill. And the Senate, where things were kind of just rolling along pretty functionally. And there was a lot of speculation that the Senate might just jam the House, as people on Capitol Hill like to say, that they would just send them a bill and make them eat it. And that was going to be the end of story. And that's not quite how things played out. But if you went back a few days, that was sort of what a lot of people were expecting. So yeah, let's talk about how things actually played out. Heading into the weekend, shutdown was the word. And then what the heck happened? What happened in the end is that Kevin McCarthy swerved. His strategy was to try to make whatever Herculean effort he could to pass a GOP-only bill, which is, you know, the most conservative bill he could. That would then give him some kind of negotiating position with Democrats in the Senate. That was basically his strategy. And in order to both, you know, give himself a good negotiating position, but also to keep his job and keep his conference happy. And he just couldn't do it. 
He could not pass even a temporary spending bill. He was having trouble passing the individual appropriations bills that his you know, hardline members had asked for. What ultimately happened was that after trying again and again to get just Republican votes on a short-term spending bill, McCarthy couldn't get the votes, no matter how conservative he made that bill. And There was a point where all kind of looked lost, where he brought up a short-term spending bill with, I think it was a 30% spending cut <laughs> baked into it for a short period of time, and also had the border security money. And the hardliners still said no, because many of them just did not want any kind of short-term funding. They are kind of philosophically against the idea of short-term spending bills, so-called continuing resolutions. And so it seemed as if nothing could pass the House until finally he said, okay, fine, I'm going to turn and work with the Democrats. And what you ended up getting was a sort of what they call a clean continuing resolution. And what it was is basically it kept funding where it was, you know, just continued the government's funding at, at previous levels. And it also included disaster aid. But the concession that Democrats and some Republicans in the Senate had to make in order to get this thing through the House was dropping Ukraine aid from it for temporarily. So it sounds like Ukraine loses. Who else loses? You could say hardline Republicans because they essentially protested their way out of a deal, right? They didn't get any input in the end, for the most part, on what this short-term budget resolution looked like. And I think there are big questions about whether they're going to have much input on what the final budget looks like, because already you're setting up this situation now where McCarthy is working with Democrats. And he's been making comments like it's okay to work with Democrats if it's necessary. He's suddenly, you know, talking up the virtues of bipartisanship because some of his members refused to take yes for an answer. When are you guys going to get over that it's all right that you put America first? That's all right if Republican and Democrats join together to do what is right. There has to be an adult in the room. And that might mean that they just get the satisfaction of saying no and kind of fighting their good fight, but they may not have much say over what the final budget looks like. And I guess the winners here are a little less clear. Obviously, if you're an air traffic controller or a United States service member and you're getting a paycheck this week, you're a winner. But in Washington, did everyone kind of lose here? No, I don't think so. I think actually there were uh, there were a bunch of winners. If you are a moderate Republican, guys like Mike Lawler from New York um, and Don Bacon from Nebraska, who you hear from all the time, basically urging uh, McCarthy to ignore, as they like to put it, the crazies or the lunatics to his right. These people can't define a win. They don't know how to take yes for an answer. Uh, it's a clown show. You got what you wanted with this continuing resolution. He finally just said enough is enough and extended an olive branch to Democrats, at least temporarily, and passed something just to keep the government governing. That's what a lot of moderates have wanted. Mm. If you are Kevin McCarthy, you know, it's a question if he's going to end up the winner or the loser. If he manages to keep his job, he may look like a big winner. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't keep his job after all of this, then, well, you know, history is going to look at him as one of the losers. Because his arch nemesis, Matt Gates, is now saying that he's going to come for his job. That is the next chapter of this drama. The thing to understand about the Gates and McCarthy fight is that no one 
fully seems to have wrapped their heads around it and know all the details, but a lot of it appears to be purely personal. Huh. That's what makes the whole thing so crazy. You know, I've been joking for a while that Gates is sort of, I don't, this is going to age me, but is sort of like the Sean Connery to McCarthy's Alex Trebek, that he's just constantly there. <laughs> this is the sound a doggy makes. Mr. Connery. <laughs> what a reference. Yeah, just constantly there trolling him, ruining McCarthy's no. life. Well, that's the sound your mother made last night. Um, but everyone says this, and McCarthy has said this many times, that this is actually just a pure personal vitriol. You know, this is personal with Matt. He's more interested in securing TV interviews than doing something. He wanted to- And McCarthy has suggested at points that it actually has to do with an ethics investigation oh. into gays that's going on that McCarthy has refused to try and intervene in. Gates is, is being investigated in Congress over potential sexual impropriety. The House Ethics Committee launching a bipartisan investigation, examining allegations of sexual misconduct, illicit drug use, and whether Gates shared inappropriate images or videos on the House floor. The Justice Department looked into this a while ago, uh, essentially uh, whether or not he was involved in what might have technically been sex trafficking. They decided to close that investigation. It gets very complicated. But the point is, is all of this isn't really necessarily related to policy. I mean, there's some of that. Gates will talk about how uh, McCarthy made a deal with the hardliners when it came to things like spending levels and the process for the budget, and that McCarthy has now reneged on that deal, especially by working with Democrats. It is going to be difficult for my Republican friends to keep calling President Biden feeble while he continues to take Speaker McCarthy's lunch money in every negotiation. And so now, because McCarthy broke his word, he is now going to bring what's called a motion to vacate to try and oust the Speaker. But no one really believes this is all just about numbers on a page or about parliamentary procedure. A lot of this appears to be real, real interpersonal hatred. <laughs> this is pretty great. Miles sent a meme from um, Godzilla with um, what's his name again? Oh, the let, the let him fight meme. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in the show. Let them fight. So we actually have to figure out what next year's budget is going to look like. I wouldn't want to place a bet right now on exactly what that spending bill is going to look like, what that deal is going to look like. My hunch is it's going to be pretty similar to what they agreed upon in the original debt ceiling deal, assuming that you have this coalition of Democrats and Republicans in the House coming together to push something through and working with the, the Senate, where you already have a lot of bipartisan agreement on what should happen. That is the substantive thing that has to happen now in the next 45 days. And in the course of that, you're also going to have a fight over Ukraine funding. That's going to be, a, a, I think, a big showdown over exactly, you know, do we fund Ukraine? How much do we fund Ukraine? What conditions do we attach to that? That's going to be an important thing to keep your eye on. But then there's also just this regular daily kind of juicy house drama about whether or not McCarthy's going to remain speaker. Well, maybe we'll catch you in like mid-November, Jordan. <laughs> Sure, I can talk to you about the ins and outs of the Commerce Department appropriations. Jordan Weissman, Semaphore.com is where you can read him. 
Everyone in Washington just kicked Ukraine funding down the road, even though Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky was just here in Washington meeting with President Biden, lobbying for more aid. We're going to ask the White House how it's feeling about the cost of this compromise when we're back on Today Explained. Today Explained support today comes from Quince, which rhymes with since, but is spelt with a Q-U. The poet Josh O'Donoghue once said, we're getting very classy here, when one flower blooms, spring awakens everywhere. Now, I don't know exactly if that's true, it tells me to tell you, but I do know that Quince offers timeless essentials that they say never go out of style no matter what the season. And honestly, that also kind of sounds like a poem, doesn't it? Not only that, Quince says all of their items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Take it away, Claire White. The style feels great. It feels really timeless. It feels like a cut that I could wear over and over again and through a lot of different seasons. I love a plain sweater. You can upgrade your wardrobe this spring by going to quince.com slash explain for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash explained to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash explained. It rhymes with since. Support for the show already comes from Delete Me. Your personal information is online. So is mine. I don't think I'm breaking any news by saying that, but you might be surprised to know just how much of your information is available not only for people to see, but to sell as well. And that's where Delete Me comes in. Delete Me wants to help you keep things such as your name, number, home address, and other private information out of the hands of data brokers. I've never personally kept my information out of the hands of data brokers, but perhaps Vox's business team's Claire White has. Removing the data that Delete Me found was super easy because I didn't have to do anything. They already removed my information across sites that they deemed as unsafe. I truly did not have to lift a finger. You can take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me now at a special discount for our listeners. You can get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeletemecom slash today and use the promo code today at checkout. Again, you can get 20% off by going to joindeletemecom slash today and enter the code TODAY at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash today. The code is TODAY. Ukraine, Ukraine Explained. It's Ukraine Explained. This is Ben LeBolt. I'm the White House Communications Director. Wonderful. Ben, Congress has averted a government shutdown for now, but for just 45 days, Does the White House, does President Biden see this as a win, a loss, something in between? Which? Well, look, it's it's a win for the American people. Um, This means that 1.3 million uh, active duty troops will continue to get paid. Uh, It means that air traffic controllers will be paid. We won't have an impact on on morale and operations. The Border Patrol will be paid and be able to do their jobs. The 7 million women and children that rely on food and nutrition assistance will still have access to that. If you've got a problem with your Social Security check, there will be someone uh, to call. So this was 
the right vote. This was the right thing to do. Uh, but at the same time, the president believes we've got to stop governing by crisis and, and House Republicans have to stop holding the American people hostage. You know, earlier this year, the president, the House and the Senate agreed to a bipartisan budget agreement on how to fund the government for the rest of the year. House Republicans need to keep their word and stop careening from one crisis to another. However, one of President Biden's top priorities, Ukraine, got the short end of the stick here just, I think, 10 days after he had Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the White House and promised again that the U.S. was in this fight for the long haul. Has the president called Zelensky now to update him on the situation? Well, the president made clear that he believed that uh, Ukraine funding should have been included here. There's a bit of residual funds that can use to continue uh, to support Ukraine as they take on Putin's aggression. Uh, but now the president and the White House will be working closely with Congress to make sure that Ukraine is funded. The speaker needs to keep his word. There's bipartisan support, bipartisan majorities in both in the House and Senate to continue funding uh, for Ukraine, which is important for our national security interests uh, as well. And the president believes that the speaker uh, should keep his word. He's made clear publicly, including this weekend, that he supports continued funds for Ukraine. Um, and that's a that's a top priority for, for this president to see through Congress. And, and have the two presidents spoken on the current situation? I don't have any news to, to make on that front. Okay. When President Biden met with President Zelensky in Washington, he said he was counting on the good judgment of the United States Congress. And earlier this week at the UN General Assembly, I made it clear that, uh, that no nation can be truly secure in the world if, in fact, we don't stand up and defend the freedom of Ukraine uh, from the face of this Russian brutality and aggression. But the outcome here, you know, a lot of Republicans didn't have anything to do with it. It was Democrats who helped pass this measure. Was that under the president's guidance? Well, look, as I said earlier, the president believes that this bill was a win for the American people. It would have been absolutely untenable uh, to see our active duty troops go without pay, to see 7 million women who require food and nutrition assistance, um, for that to be cut off, which it would have within a matter of days if, if Congress refused to act and, and fund the government. You would have seen air traffic control uh, delays. You would have seen disaster relief funds for communities like Florida and Maui that had been impacted uh, by storms this summer dry up. So that would have been an absolutely untenable uh, situation. Uh, the president believes that Ukraine should have been part of uh, this bill. Uh, it was not ultimately, but that was the choice facing uh, members of Congress, whether to shut down the government due to these extreme ideological demands from Republicans, who, by the way, just days before were threatening to cut domestic programs, funding for domestic programs by 30 percent across the board and not fund Ukraine. So certainly, you know, the legislation that moved did move with Democratic support. Uh, but now uh, the pressure is really on Speaker McCarthy uh, to keep his word here and, and make sure that uh, our support for Ukraine uh, continues. Polling suggests that the American public is losing its appetite for Ukraine aid. Do you think we're getting to a place where the United States will move away from providing as much aid as we have to Ukraine? I think 
that uh, and the president believes that our support uh, for Ukraine will uh, continue. He's built a coalition of 50 plus countries around the world supporting Ukraine. Uh, if Putin thinks he can outlast uh, that support from the United States and our allies, uh, he's wrong. Um, the president has sent a supplemental funding request to Capitol Hill that he believes that that Congress uh, should pass. Uh, and our support for Ukraine has had a significant uh, impact uh, in turning back Putin's uh, war of aggression. There is bipartisan support uh, from both majorities in the House and Senate. Uh, Leader McConnell and Speaker McCarthy uh, on the Republican side have said that they support continued support for Ukraine. And so the president is counting on them to to keep their word and move this package through. However, we have to address, Ben, that it now seems that Speaker McCarthy could lose his job over this spending bill that y'all agreed on this weekend. Does the White House have any favorites in mind for the speakership if that happens? Uh, well, that's that's a vote that the president doesn't have, and he'll leave that to the House of Representatives. That was Ben LeBolt. He's the communications director for the White House. You can find the White House on Twitter at White House. I'm consistently surprised how sassy that account is. My name's Sean Ramos Verum. The show today was produced by John Aarons and Miles Bryan with an assist from Siona Petros. We were edited by Miranda Kennedy, fact-checked by Amanda Llewellyn and Laura Bullard, and engineered by Patrick Boyd and Rob Byers. This is Today Explained. 